0: Welcome to episode 65 of Contested Catch. It is our first episode of the week. It's our week 11 buys and sells. And of course, we are joined once again by our friend, our fantasy football contributor, our representative for Contested Catch in Arizona for the Bills game, Kyle Singer. Kyle, how's everything going, man? How was your trip out in the desert? I know you're still out there,
1: but how was that game? It's been it's been a wild week for me, um, obviously starting... Off Sunday, going i mean i was I was surprised with the ticket, so like I didn't even expect to go to the game. That was like an awesome early present. And then I'm like, all right, Dad, we gotta get there early. i'm gonna I gotta talk to my boys. like I gotta talk to my friends. and so we get in We're like an hour early, and the stadium's just like basically empty. Players are doing you know warm ups and whatnot. Um, and i I spot the the defensive backs doing a drill pretty close to like where we were so I went over there um you know Poyer, Hyde, Trey they're all like doing drills and I don't know why but I was I was like all right I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for Poyer even though like I probably like Trey better I I, I don't know why I I was like Poyer is my dude today and I just was like Poyer let's fucking go like because he always says that and (laughs) and uh he like looks at me and like gives me a head nod. And then like a couple minutes later, I walk over to like the opposite end zone because um, Josh was over there and like some other guys. And then Hoyer just emerges with a football, throws it to me. I throw it back. He throws it to someone else. I throw it back and, and someone else. And so then he throws it to me again. This is when it gets on video. I throw it back to him, throws it to someone else, throws it back to me and lets me keep it. And I was fucking pumped. It was, it was mad sick. He like waved me off and he's like, just keep it. And I was pumped. <laughs> I looked like a little boy. That that video is so cool. Um, you obviously tweeted it, Kyle. Obviously, if you guys don't know, Kyle's
0: on Twitter at CC underscore K Sing. Uh, I retweeted it as well. That was just really cool to see you out there. Um couldn't believe that was <laughs> you. You have a mask on, so we couldn't we you know, pretty sure we can verify yeah. that's <laughs> you. I think your your accounting is fair enough. Um, but you know, what was you know, obviously that that Bills Cardinals game was Really, really something um, amazing to watch. I can't imagine being in the stadium for it. Obviously, in Arizona, what was the vibe like in the stadium during those, you know, last two major plays? Obviously, the Stephon Diggs touchdown to go up by a score, and then
1: DeAndre Hopkins hail hail Murray. You could say uh, to it was win definitely. It. I mean, obviously, the cra- craziest game I've ever been to. Uh, just as a football fan alone, outside of obviously me being a Bills fan, it was it was the best game I've ever seen. Um, And then, you know, since I'm a Bills fan, it was easily the hardest, hardest loss I've ever seen, definitely in person, potentially ever. Um, But yeah, so, like, you know, limited seating, I think there's 12,000 people there, it was like, relatively quiet at first. And then, you know, as the game progressed, it just got louder and louder, because the Cardinals started to come back in the second half, and you could feel their energy. Um, We drive down the field, you know, Josh, Cole Beasley killed it all game, but we drive down the field and Josh throws that strike to uh, Diggs in the corner of the end zone with like 34 seconds left. Um, and my dad and I are surrounded by Cardinals fans. We just erupt. I, I pick them up and like, we're just going crazy. And, you know, I, we I, we weren't like being like dicks to the people around us. We weren't like rubbing in their face or any anything like that. But, you know, we were loud and so I'm like, all right, we got this. My dad's like, there's too much time. You know, they're going to drive down. He already called it, of course. And, you know, 10 seconds left. Murray just scrambles. Mario Addison can't keep him contained. Pissed about that. No one, no one uh, jams hop up at the line. And, and triple coverage against our three best, you know, three of the best, probably the three best defensive backs you could go up against on a single team and hop makes you know one of the greatest catches ever and of course like my dad and i are in the background of like all the footage so we've been on like espn just in the in the little in the background of that catch and we'll probably go down in history it's funny i'll send you the picture
0: i yeah you gotta send me that i have not seen that that's crazy um you know obviously incredible play by by hopkins um what what can you do really that's that's what i kind of said after that moment um Glad that you were able to be there, Kyle. That was That's quite a nice gift. Um, and we're, you know, happy to have you there and uh, representing Bill's Mafia. Let's get into it, man. Let's start talking wide receiver buys and sells. We'll start with the buys, obviously. And, you know, this this first guy is someone I think uh, everyone probably has on their radar. I think there are mixed feelings about this player. I know I have mixed feelings about this player.
1: And so, obviously, we'll start with Cooper Cup. Yeah, so I think we brought up Cooper Cup a couple times Maybe like once or twice, uh, relatively recently. I know I'd talked about him after the 21 target game against the Dolphins, and I was like, "All right, this is a hammer spot." He had the he had the bye week, um, and then since then, he's kind of disappointed. He definitely disappointed me, but I do think he's going to turn it around. He's 14th in rock over the past four weeks um, that he's played. Robert Woods in the same four, he's 74th. So you know, Cup is getting all that opportunity. It looks like Josh. Just stepping up too, but Cup has been the favorite target. Cup's got a 27% target share and a 27% air yard share over that span. And the Rams have the number one ranked playoff schedule for wide receiver. So it's it's a really easy strength to schedule. Um it's it's funny though, because you know, I I was selling Woods all kind of all season, or at least like recently, but You know, I mean, I'm happy with any Rams receivers, but Cooper Cup is definitely my favorite. I wouldn't say any, but between Cup and Woods. Um, But I love Cup. I think he's definitely due for some positive touchdown regression. He only has two touchdowns on the year, as opposed to like what he was doing last year. I think he was in the teens. Um, But Cup also has seven red zone targets this season. And like I said, just two touchdowns and a very literally the easiest schedule for the fantasy playoffs that a wide receiver can get. I think that Cooper Cup's going to turn it on at the end of the season, and he can be potential league winner. And like you know, he's wide receiver, low end wide receiver two value, maybe high end wide receiver three right now. Many of you are coming to your trade deadline. He is definitely a guy I'm targeting.
0: You know, it's even better in in the last three weeks. So I, I look at a three week sample typically, and he's eighth and rock, thirty percent target share, thirty two percent air yard share over the last three weeks. Now he gets. Uh, You know, a a great schedule like you're talking about, Kyle. The one thing that I actually think actually bodes well for Cup going forward is that he hasn't even been seeing the very potent red zone role that he's that we're used to him seeing with uh, with with Jared Goff. I mean, he's only got out of the last three weeks, he's only got two red zone targets. And that's not a lot. I mean, two and three weeks. okay, but, you know, no touchdowns. Maybe that's the reason. Um I think that his opportunity has definitely, definitely come a long way from where all the Rams were at the start of the season. And yeah, you know, you already mentioned Josh Reynolds greater than uh, Robert Woods. But that is that's definitely a theme of of this Rams team this year. Josh Reynolds has emerged big time recently. He's 25th in rock over the last three weeks. And and Robert Woods isn't even in the top 50. Um, it's really not even close. I mean, Josh Reynolds has more uh, target share. He has significantly Higher air yard share, uh 28%. And so yeah, anyway, it's uh it's definitely not Robert Woods season. I'm not sure I, I'm anticipating any sort of big bump back in the right direction for him. But you know, if you can't get Cooper Cup, at least Josh Reynolds is probably out there for a bargain. Uh and, and right now producing wide receiver two, low end wide receiver two volume. So good stuff there, Kyle.
1: Uh, who's your next wide receiver buy? Another guy we've talked about, I think once he was on the buys, and that's Terry McLaurin. He is, he's, he's starting to get the praises that he deserves. I know you love him. I know uh, Jeff loves him too, but he's 10th in Rock over the past four, 25% target share and a 35% air yard share. Another player on that team with a 25% air yard share is JD McKissick, which I found pretty interesting, um, especially considering the love that contested catch gives um, Antonio Gibson. But mm-hmm, indeed, like, It is cool to see McKissick is is very, very viable option in full PPR. But I do think, um, you know, their clear one is Terry McLaurin. And, you know, Washington has similar to the Rams with the fourth easiest playoff schedule for wide receivers. So I think Terry McLaurin is a buy. His volume remains elite. And he's on a team that's usually down. They're going to be passing and somehow – Some way, Washington is still fighting for a playoff spot. So I do like Terry McLaurin.
0: Yeah, you already mentioned I'm a big fan of Terry McLaurin. The only thing that I'll add to this is that um, Alex Smith has just been like a check down artist since he's returned from this injury. He also had that stereotype before the injury, before he even left Kansas City. He just wasn't that aggressive of a player. So the concern is that Alex Smith is so comfortable throwing it underneath that Terry McLaurin isn't going to see some of these. Uh, high calorie touches down the field or at least targets down the field. Um, so keep that in mind with Terry McLaurin. I still think that the talent is absolutely there. And if he's able to produce with, you know, a struggling rookie, Dwayne Haskins last year as a rookie himself, then I think he can probably produce with anyone under center. So I still love Terry McLaurin uh, over the last three weeks, 20th in rock. So he's fallen out of that rock star territory that he had been pretty settled in. The uh, buy contributed to that as did uh, Alex Smith's emergence so uh, as a checkdown artist so anyway I'm, i agree with you there kyle and this last one is a very interesting name uh has probably had his stock fluctuate the most out of any player in the league who's that kyle
1: yeah it's antonio brown he basically trades like tesla stock you can he's the most volatile <laughs> guy out there so
0: bitcoin bitcoin <laughs> yeah bitcoin
1: <laughs> bitcoin's even better um but yeah ab is i would i would say uh Make sure you know what's going on in your league and I'll I'll kind of touch on this next but whether you start playoffs obviously week 13 or 14 or whatever it may be but it's good to know that the Bucs do the Bucks and the Panthers do have a week 13 bye so kind of be careful of that see if you can take the risk on him Um, but for me I'm trying to acquire Antonio Brown in most every league right now I think I talked about this a while ago. I think he has league winning upside. He's just starting to kind of get back into game shape. We have a very small sample size with him, Uh, obviously only two weeks, but in those two weeks, he's 47th in rock. But that includes a game against the saints, which was like the weirdest game I've ever seen in my life. Just the pretty much the exact opposite of what we expected. No offense from the bucks. Um, but Antonio Brown, since returning, he leads the Bucs and catches. Um, I mean, he's tied with Mike Evans, but you know, he's tied for the lead. So he has already shown that he has developed that rapport with Tom Brady. Um, and he has seen the most air yards um, by a pretty good margin since joining the team. So he's getting looked at downfield. We saw last week, well, I, I barely saw this before I left, but Uh, Tom Brady missed him on a basically wide open deep ball would have been a touchdown. I don't think Tom's very happy about that. So I expect that to change. And then for Antonio Brown, he's got the third easiest strength of schedule for wide receivers in the playoffs. So there's a clear, uh, clear connection between all three of my buys. They all have a very easy fantasy playoff schedule. Um, Be careful with Antonio Brown. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to trade bench for him if you can, or, you know, It depends what your, your flex situation looks like, but I do think he has obviously proven over the years that he has the ability to be the wide receiver one. I don't think he'll be the wide receiver one, but I think he can be a wide receiver one. If he, if it starts to work out, Tom.
0: Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about Tom Brady some more a little bit later, but I think Antonio Brown is a very intriguing share that you can obviously get the cheapest among any uh, Tampa Bay player. I would say maybe he's on, you know, level with Leonard Fournette. But even then you can probably still get him very cheap because the risk is so high. Uh if you're gonna acquire him, make sure you don't pay, you know, too much. You you, you know, don't buy off the name value. Recognize that he's a really high upside, high risk player that you might be able to plug in as a flex. Uh, you know, if the volume continues to tick up for him, uh, like you like you said, Kyle, then things bode very well with that schedule. And, you know, we know this guy obviously is immensely talented. So I do not disagree at all with that so let's move on to wide receiver cells this first one is definitely someone that i i have some initial pushback on i'm interested to hear your case
1: yeah so actually for all three of these guys it's kind of tough right now i feel like this is maybe like the most competitive and top heavy that fantasy football has ever been at least from what i can remember so it, it is tough to sell like elite players so I'm I'm not going to say just go ahead and sell Adam Thielen, you know, like he's nothing. Obviously, that's never the goal when you're selling any player. You're trying to sell high, and I think coming off of a two touchdown game last week um, on only four catches is an opportunity to sell high. So he's 38th in rock over the past three weeks, which is after their bye week, um, and I think you can obviously get elite return for him. He's got the name value. You can kind of sell him on like the target share and the touchdowns that he's been getting uh, and as well as the schedule, which is very favorable, but it actually is more favorable for Dalvin cook than it is for Adam Thielen, in my opinion. And then I will admit, I was pretty wrong on my Justin Jefferson sell a couple of weeks ago. I do think he is, he is, you know, prove me wrong. He's legit. Uh, and I do think he's eating into Adam Thielen more than the boomer bust. Diggs role last year. I think he's actually um receiving a bigger target share than Diggs did. And it is, it is definitely eating into Thielen. So I'm not just saying sell Thielen and like you need to sell him. Of course, keep him. If you can upgrade him, though, I definitely would do that. Maybe you can package something and try to get um, you know, a a slightly better wide receiver and elite one, or, or maybe you downgrade a little bit at wide out. To like a deontay johnson while you can upgrade a running back i'm always in for upgrading running backs but kind of see who who in your league is an adam Thielen truther and and see what you can get for him
0: yeah so my my side of this thing uh falls in favor of adam thielen and the reason is uh well let me let me rewind a week real quick so when in the contested catch-up last week uh in my rock write-up section and the honorable mentions that the last one i talk about um i remind everyone we talked about this on episode 62 um, but Thielen and Justin Jefferson are both outside the top 30 in rock at the time of this writing. Uh, but they're both uh, they're first and fourth in the biggest under producers in the last three weeks. So that's obviously week seven through nine or uh, I'm sorry, eight through ten. No, seven through nine. Um, Dalvin Cook's eruptions cannot be sustained. The passing volume will come back. And when it does expect it, expect the talent to do it, a rebound in a big way. Both are great buys. So that's what I wrote in the contested catch up last week. And then Adam Thielen comes out with a two touchdown performance. Obviously, the opportunity, the true, the raw volume wasn't there. But this guy we know is a really talented receiver. He's been he's been producing in this offense, uh, with Dalvin Cook active, with Kirk Cousin in this in this low uh pass volume attack for years. So, really, I'm not concerned about Adam Thielen's production, even though the volume isn't quite at the level that we were hoping it would be or that it, it had been early in the year. Obviously, Justin Jefferson has emerged way beyond whatever I expected him to do as a rookie. Uh, You know, he has, uh, in the last three weeks, he has superior target share, superior air yard share. The good thing is Adam Thielen retains that red zone role. He's got five red zone targets and only those two touchdowns from last night or uh, earlier this week, rather. So with that said, I still like Adam Thielen as a buy. I think you could try to catch someone trying to sell high on this, still concerned about the lack of volume. Cause I do see this continuing to bounce back in favor of Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'm not even sure if you can buy him at any sort of redu- reduced price right now because his, his production has been so good. Uh, he hasn't been an overproducer, I wouldn't say, but at the same time, like I'm not necessarily seeing a lot of meat on the bone for him unless this, this, uh, passing attack gets a, a big volume boost, which I'm not necessarily expecting. So with that said, I, I disagree with you Kyle. I do like Adam Thielen. Um, as a buy and not necessarily not as a sell. Uh, so that's my stance on that. Would you rather have Thielen or Michael Thomas? Oh man. I mean, Michael Thomas is just such an enigma right now. Yeah. Um, personally, because James Winston looks to be the starting quarterback for maybe the next couple weeks. Like I, I don't even really know it, there's just so much in play. I would rather have Adam Thielen because I feel like I know at the very least I'm getting a low end wide receiver too. Uh, I do not know what we're going to get out of Michael Thomas. I mean, there's a chance that that James Winston is better for Michael Thomas than Drew Brees has been. That's that's saying a lot because Michael Thomas was obviously what he was in 2019. That was also without with five games without Drew Brees. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I, I guess I'd say Thielen because I feel like I have much more certainty about what I'm going to get from him. Um, and if, you know, if this was maybe. If this was maybe like week two or three or something like that, where I could play the upside game with Michael Thomas, um, then maybe I'd consider it. But I I think I'm gonna go with Thielen on this one.
1: Fair point. I'll take. I would take uh, Michael Thomas. I think I do think that uh, James Winston's gonna help him out. Obviously, he was injured back from injury, like in a weirdest game where the Saints are up on the Bucs. He gets like you know fifty yards on four catches or something like that, and then the next week. Obviously, starting quarterback goes down. Drew Brees is is gone. And now Jameis Winston comes in for the first time with a lot of Taysom Hill. So I think with a full week of practice with Jameis Winston, and I don't think Jameis Winston... I mean, I don't think Jameis is going to be anything different than he was last year. And if that's the case, that bodes well for receivers like Michael Thomas. So I will take Michael Thomas rest of season over Adam Thielen.
0: Yeah, the thing that does... I don't know, not necessarily complicate things, but you know, if you were taking James Winston off of the bucks from last year um, and you know, where he threw 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks, you'd say this is going to bode very well for Michael Thomas because he's going to, you know, regardless of the state of the game for, for the saints, uh, James Winston is going to be throwing a lot and throwing in, in high leverage situations. If he throws a pick, it doesn't hurt Michael Thomas. He just will get another 50 yard bomb the next play. Um, However, from what we've very small sample from what we've seen of James Winston so far, he has been much more reserved, not having a lot of time to pass only 6.3 yards per attempt. That's, you know, only 10 attempts in, in week 10. But I believe that's the lowest he's ever had in a single game. So maybe this is a different player. There's just so much uncertainty. Obviously, Michael Thomas is super talented, but he's been injured this year as well. I feel like we know what we're getting with Adam Thielen. And I think there's a lot more meat on the bone for him to continue to come back to the level of, uh, of of high level opportunity that we're used to seeing from him so it's like a floor play with Thielen and, uh, and a ceiling play with michael thomas all right of yeah yeah i think so i mean because at this point there is no floor with, with michael thomas um yeah unfortunately we just can't we can't project anything with that much confidence he's put up 27 yards um you know in, in his second game back from injury so obviously you know quarterback injury but that's still with the yeah. guy who he's going to be playing with. And like you said, Taysom Hill, we're going to see a lot more Taysom Hill than we're used to seeing, I think, over the next couple of weeks while Drew Brees is on the mend. Yeah. We'll talk
1: about him in a little bit too. Yeah. Um, all right, Kyle. So who is your next wide receiver sell? This one might bring some some tough looks, but <laughs> he's been on my hate list <laughs> since uh, preseason. and um, That's DJ Moore. He's definitely... He's probably underproduced on what most would think, and he's overproduced on what I would have thought in preseason. I'm kind of a DJ Moore hater, but uh, he's 51st in rock over the past four, only a 17% target share. Um, that basically comes down to six targets per game. One red zone target in the past four weeks. I don't know. I, I kind of expect DJ Moore to get more of the, the targets than what we've seen. Um, and then obviously... I'll continue to bring this up, which is the week 13 buy. So whether that's your last week of regular season or first week of playoffs, usually that's a little late to have a guy. So if you can sell DJ Moore, I think you should. He has a tough playoff schedule, not to mention potentially missing a game in your fantasy playoffs. Um, If you can get anything around wide receiver two value for DJ Moore, I am hammering that. Yeah, it's interesting because he's... If you just look at the box score, you say,
0: wow, this guy's had a really solid floor recently. Like uh, in four of his last six games, he's had 93 yards or more and four catches or more uh, and a touchdown in three of those four. Um, that's pretty good, right? You know, so he's, you know, four for 90 something and a touchdown. It feels pretty good bet. Uh, unfortunately, we just know that these are like pretty um pretty dependent on a big play or or a long touchdown run for DJ Moore. He's just not seeing the volume that we were expecting. Like early in the season, he started with 22 targets in two games. That's pretty good. He's only seen double-digit targets once since then, and only seen – he hasn't seen more than seven targets since since that uh, double-digit game. So um, it's really just been an up-and-down year for DJ Moore. We know he's super talented, so I do buy the talent. Uh, I just don't see the opportunity there to really feel – that strongly. I mean, just because the volume's not there. You know, if you give this guy four targets, maybe he takes one for a touchdown, but are you willing to bet on that? You know, his his uh his real floor was uh in week nine against Kansas City, only 18 yards, three, three targets. Um, and other than that, he's been pretty productive in that limited opportunity. So yeah, and I think when you add in the bye week, as you've been talking about for weeks now, Kyle, it's a really, really good reminder for people because I'm not hearing a lot of other people talk about it with Carolina, Tampa Bay, when they when they've got a, a week thirteen bye on the horizon, it is a concern, uh, for sure. When you know, like especially when you're evaluating someone like Christian McCaffrey or Mike Davis, you know, if you know you're not gonna have them for for the most people, I think week thirteen is probably the the first week of the playoffs. Unless you have a buy, you know, a locked in buy, um, that is a concern for sure. All right, Kyle, who
1: is your last wide receiver sell here? So this is more of just a reminder of kind of the guys we've been talking about throughout the episodes. Um, There's not really one specific one, but Mike Evans, same situation, you know, week 13 by uh, the, the competition's insane there. I mean, I've been saying sell Mike Evans all year, just a reminder on him, Christian Kirk. He plays tonight in a very good matchup against Seattle. Depends when your trade deadline is. I do think he has a, a pretty good game tonight. I expect the shootout. But after that, um, we've been kind of, we've been kind of saying Christian Kirk—he's the, big, the biggest overproducer the Rock has seen basically all year. So, kind of see if you can get rid of him, get anything useful, and then Marvin Jones. Kenny Galladay has been healthy this week; he's probably back. And Marvin Jones, up until last week, was not seeing very many targets. I know he got ten targets last week, but I, I expect that to take a dip. Um, and we'll talk about. Their schedule and a little bit when we talk about running back buys, but I think Marvin Jones coming off of a big week is also a sell high. So I've actually
0: got some some tidbits in the contested catch up week eleven that's coming out uh, today as well um, on Christian Kirk. That is, so I'm a little bit more optimistic than I have been in recent weeks, just because the volume is starting to tick up. I mean, he is I think he's 26th in rock over the last three weeks wide receiver two, three level volume is starting to come closer in line with, with the really high, uh, high-end wide receiver two-ish, uh, production that we've been seeing. So it's, it's, it's trending in the right direction for Christian Kirk. I definitely think you want to play him tonight. This is probably the best week that you have to play him. He had five targets, two touchdowns against the Seahawks, uh, in week seven. So pretty good spot to play him. But like you said, you know, if you can get something good for him, why not? Um, Kyle, real quick before we move on to running backs. So you know, Antonio Brown's a buy, Mike Evans remains a sell. I think there's a lot more than just the schedule and play. But in terms of that week thirteen buy that we were talking about with DJ Moore as well, uh, you know, you won't have Antonio Brown for week thirteen. Is the the appeal for him for you mainly because he's just coming at such a discount relative to the rest of the Tampa Bay skill positions? Or is it that you think that the ceiling is just so high?
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a mixture of both, really. I think the discount is like you said earlier, he's definitely the cheapest wide receiver of the main three. Um, but I think this wide receiver core is gonna look a lot like the Pittsburgh core, and that's it's actually basically even. Um, so I, I do think Antonio Brown, we've seen he's he's been the best wide receiver in the league. He has, you know, ridiculous talent and he's only getting better and better and into game shape, developing that rapport with Tom Brady, like I can I say. Um yeah it's it's mainly the discount and it's just knowing that the upside is there and like yeah i mean you're not trading you would have to trade more for mike evans you would have to trade more for for godwin you can basically trade bench or you know you know something somewhat useful to get antonio brown right now and he can outproduce both godwin and mike evans very easily okay Um, Let's move on
0: to running back buys now. And the first one uh, is a guy that we talked a lot about on Contested Catch over the last two years about this guy. Um, Unfortunately, has not panned out the way that I thought he was going to. But right now, he's a running back buy for
1: you. And who's that, Kyle? Yep. We talked about David Montgomery like two weeks ago. I got absolutely roasted in my group chats for it. And of course, like he does nothing and then gets a concussion, gets knocked out of the game doesn't play last week and now has a bye week this week. So it's looked brutal. Um, but we knew the bye week was coming. Can't really do anything about the injury. But I do think things are going to turn around. And I think that that horrible three-week span, including a bye week, is you know something that you can use to your advantage when trying to acquire David Montgomery. So he'll be coming off a bye and finally fully healthy. And then David Montgomery has the third easiest strength of schedule for running backs in the playoffs. Um, And obviously we've seen his, his very high volume in this bears offense. And now with potentially a third string quarterback, you know, like what are they going to do other than give it to their, their running back, maybe some dump offs to, to expect. So I think we've got a a higher floor with David Montgomery with all that work. Um, But he's also got high upside. He's got a really easy strength of schedule And hopefully he finds the end zone a couple times over the next few weeks. So I do think David Montgomery is a buy low right now. Um, And I'm definitely seeing what you need to give up to get him because the running back position is very slim. And he is like certainly coming off of some poor weeks.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just been such a disappointing start to his career because I do think the guy is talented. He gets shredded constantly on Twitter. I do think he's talented. I think a lot of this has to do with just a pretty poor offensive scheme. Um, you know, pretty devoid of real playmakers outside of Allen Robinson and not a good offensive line, not great quarterback play. Nick Foles has been a huge disappointment in Chicago. Now he's injured. So yeah, with David Montgomery, the appeal is, is very clear. It's volume, um, in weeks four through eight, which is without Tariq Cohen, uh, Dave Montgomery did not see any less than 80% of snaps. Uh, He didn't see any less than five targets and he didn't see any less than double digit carries. Now he also only saw one touchdown during that time. Uh, His total yardage. I mean, he had his, his best yardage game of the year was 89 uh, carry or any 89 rushing yards, excuse me, in week eight on 21 carries uh, only 16 receiving yards on five targets. So he's just been super inefficient. Hasn't been able to do much of anything uh, despite the volume. And then, going out in week nine with the injury um, with the concussion that is. So it's a concern. I'm, I'm not sure I'd endorse him as a buy at this point, even though he has a schedule just because I don't see the situation getting really any better. I mean, we've already seen the the receiving volume come into play and that's been a good thing for him. That's definitely helped his, his floor, but the ceiling is just so low. I mean, with only with, he's only got one rushing touchdown this year. He's got one receiving touchdown back in week two. Uh, You know, and now with Nick Foles getting injured, Mitch Trubisky, even if he's healthy, we're not sure that there's anything better coming from him. And then, you know, now we're going deeper and deeper down the quarterback depth chart. I am concerned about David Montgomery. If you feel like you need to play him coming into the playoffs, Um, you know, if you're in a deep league with multiple flex spots or multiple running back spots outside of the, the standard two, then. You could do worse because again, pretty high floor relative to others considering the volume. But that that's my stance on Dave Montgomery. Definitely concern uh for the rest of 2020 for me. Fair points. I think the best is yet to come for him though. I, I hope you're right, man. I really do. I'm, I'm a fan of his. He's a good guy. Uh and uh I think he I think there is talent there. Um, so
1: anyway, who's your next running back by Kyle? Uh so Nick Chubb, I think. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about buying some of these injured running backs, um, that being Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler. So also look out for Eckler potentially as we expect him to be back for the fantasy playoffs. But Nick Chubb in his first game back in, you know, some inclement weather, which probably helped him, but he did. He looked great from what I saw. Uh, you know, he he scored a touchdown and should have scored another one a long run, but he ran out to one definitely giving some fantasy owners some hard feelings, but we've seen that with, you know, Todd Gurley and like Brian Westbrook even over the years. So, Um, but Nick Chubb, he did get in the end zone almost twice, almost a huge game for Chubb and his, his uh, schedule gets a lot easier. He's got, I believe the giants and the jets in what will be the championship games, whether that's a two week or a one week playoff, you kind of need to, you know, look at your, your rules your league rules but he he looked like a beast super easy schedule and a, a buy low kind of for you know an rb1 in like i keep saying a very slim running back here
0: yeah uh i think the really interesting thing with nick chubb is that he comes back from from the knee injury immediately looks like the same player that he has been averaging more than six yards per carry 19 for 126 and a touchdown um and obviously you said he ran out at the one so he could add another touchdown too Um, I think the concern for Chubb is that he's, he's immediately right back in the exact same type of timeshare that he was in before. And so that just, you know, is his ceiling, if he were to get, you know, all the carries that, that Kareem Hunt or all the targets that Kareem Hunt was going to get, um, would be huge. I mean, like top five fantasy running back ceiling. I just think that we need to continue to look at him as like a low end RB one, which is fine. That's still very, very much in play. Um, and the reason is, sure, he saw 19 carries and a target. Kareem Hunt saw 19 carries and four targets, uh, also 104 yards on the ground, three for 28 receiving. And I think maybe not necessarily more importantly, but of note is 58% of snaps for Kareem Hunt in week 10, 43% of snaps for Nick Chubb. So was he just getting eased in? I don't know. I mean, he got a ton of carries when he was on the field, so... Uh, I just think it's still worth pointing out that this is still a running back by committee approach in Cleveland. Really, really potent one-two punch, and I don't see Cleveland uh, moving away from that anytime soon because it's been working. So um, moving on,
1: last running back buy for you, Kyle. Who is that? Gould's man. I don't know if it's actually Gould's man, but he sent us <laughs> that text one time. Uh, DeAndre Swift. He, unfortunately, for the bye, is coming off of a huge week. But I still I do think he's you know a good buy and and hopefully someone's selling high on him. Um, But like Gould sent us, he only continues to see an increase in snap share and touches as well. So you know he's he's basically you know he's he's like a low end RB two price tag, but I think he's going to be producing at like a high end RB two, potentially low end RB one. He's getting the receiving work, and we're seeing just that explosive beast of a running back that we, you know, we saw and and we're thinking he was going to be in the draft and then early in the season. And he's finally starting to break out. Um, I think he is, we always look for one of those rookie running backs that can kind of break out and win you, your fantasy league. And I think that's Deandre Swift this year.
0: Yeah. I, uh, this is the Miles Sanders situation playing out all over again, um, where Miles Sanders was kind of buried as the, the second running back, uh, behind Jordan Howard earlier in the year, this obviously in 2019 as a rookie. Uh, and then in the second half, he really starts to break out and becomes a really, really valuable play in the fantasy playoffs. Um, obviously retained his high his high value going into 2020. So with DeAndre Swift now, I mean, we've just seen him come on so strong as of late. You know, back in week six, he had that, that true breakout, 116 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and he's had a really healthy receiving role all year Uh, averaging somewhere around four targets per game. But now all of a sudden in week 10, 16 carries a season high, 73% of snaps season high, 81 rush yards, five more targets, five catches, 68 yards receiving a a, a season high and a receiving touchdown. Really, really, really strong indicators that DeAndre Swift is here to stay. Um, He might even be leaving RB2 territory, Kyle, and going right into RB1 territory. That is how encouraging – DeAndre Swift's ascension has been recently. So we'll see uh, if, if it if he maintains this level of volume. I don't know how you could play, you know, 12, 13 guys ahead of him. Um, so I'm with you. Definitely think that DeAndre Swift is a buy, um, you know, and the price like you talked about is, is definitely going up because he just had that big game. But if you're in a position where maybe you've got great wide receiver depth, and maybe someone wants to buy low or, you know, try to buy low on one of your players. Uh, Deandre Swift is a guy that I feel very, very confident rolling out in the fantasy playoffs and the weeks to come. And we plays Carolina in week 11 and Houston in week 12. Those are great matchups as well. So I don't think
1: that the, uh, I don't think that the price is going, going down anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. And and like you said, he's got sick matchups over the next two, but also fifth easiest, uh, strength of schedule for running backs in the fantasy playoffs as well. So it's basically, you know, it's all. All easy matchups the rest of the way for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, good stuff there, Kyle. Um, All right, let's move on to our running back cells here. And who is first up on that list for you? Ronald Jones. So the pattern continues aside from Antonio Brown, and that's being get rid of these week 13 guys and obviously the sell high. So Ronald Jones coming off of 192 rushing yards and one touchdown game, including that 98-yard rushing touchdown that we saw. so yeah, a big game that's kind of we're not counting on 98 yard rushing touchdowns every week. Um, so I'm yeah, not going to just take it away from him, but obviously it's a completely different outcome without it Fournette continues to eat into his, his rushing work and definitely his passing work and Ronald Jones, he looks like a, a very good running back in terms of the stat sheet. He's, you know, it, it's a tough. Uh it's a tough position right now. There's really not many good running backs, and Ronald Jones has, you know, he has the technically RB1 price tag with him just because of how effective he's been. Uh So I do think try to sell him and get a real RB1. I don't think Ronald Jones is is a legit RB1.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I just don't really have a great sense of what Ronald Jones' uh, trade value is at this point. So I don't necessarily know that, I mean, I agree with the sentiment that if he's got a thir- week 13 buy coming up, we already know he's uh, very game script dependent, I would say. Um, like, you know, in that, thir- in that uh, 38 or 35-point loss to the Saints, um, we didn't see Leonard Fournette do that much on the ground relative to Ronald Jones, but he did have six targets, 41, 41 yards, uh, and 66% of the snaps. In the game before that, Leonard Fournette had 73% of snaps. But Ronald Jones comes in, 23 carries, 192 yards. So even if you take out that 98-yard touchdown run, he still had a really solid game uh, and 59% of snaps. It's just not a guy that like I feel that strongly about that I'm like, no doubt this is a guy I'm playing because the volume is there. I just feel like it's way too game script dependent. Now, the good news is that Tampa Bay has been winning much more often than it has been losing this season. So I feel pretty good that of the two, Ronald Jones is probably the one that is that the game script will favor more frequently, however, anytime that you're wrong about that, it's going to be the other guy. It's going to be Leonard Fournette who gets definitely a much more consistent receiving volume. So, I'm with you, Kyle. I mean, I, I'm I'm if I'm going to pick one way or another, I'm going to sell Ronald Jones. I just don't really know what the
1: what the the market is like for him. I just I think uh, with like the three buys that I just said, I think you could probably get one of them. Probably David Montgomery, maybe Swift for Ronald Jones or. Maybe you have to give up a little bit, but I do think all three of the guys on my buy list are definitely going to perform better than Ronald Jones uh, from here on out.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely go. Cool. I don't know about Dave, Dave Montgomery, but I definitely agree with Swift and Chubb, um,
1: yeah. certainly. Um, all right, who's your next uh, running back sell here, Kyle? So this is pretty funny. I'm I'm going to – I'll tell you my last running back sell, and and then let's talk about this update I just got on my phone, which is a trade involving all my – Three of the buys and sells, and one of my opponents. But <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about that in a sec. So, uh, my my last, uh, sorry, my next sell is Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He, probably the biggest fantasy letdown of players that have played every game, you know, non-injured running backs. So, he's been he's been bad. We thought he was going to be like an elite RB one. He is. Far from it. Um, his last three games, he's got his carries go eight, six, and five. You know, and on top of that, the pass work continues to go down with Le'Veon Bell. There, um, he's got tough matchups for for him the rest of the way. In in the sense that, Ch- uh, sorry, Chiefs should be passing, and I think when the Chiefs are passing, obviously we're looking at their wide receivers and and Travis Kelsey, um, but also. Looks like Le'Veon Bell is, is kind of getting the nod from Andy Reid a little bit more in the past in the past pro game as well as running routes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that you can feel confident at all with Clyde edwards Lair as anything more than a flex option at this point. Um, you know, he hasn't seen double digit rushes since Le'Veon Bell has, has entered the fold. Um, he's seen 53% of snaps in week seven, then 50% in week eight, now 40% in week nine, and then went on by. So Will the strategy change for the Chiefs after the bye when they've had a chance to reset and look at things? I mean, maybe, but I think at best right now, you're hoping that he is a uh, the slight lead dog in a 50-50 split. And even then, Kyle, I mean, he hasn't been, like he's had some huge games and some really, really encouraging performances, but even then he hasn't been this like all-world player. He hasn't been uh, super efficient on his touches like a like an Austin Eckler might be uh, and that was kind of his comp coming out was he's got like the awesome Austin Eckler skill set and on an even better offense. so of course things are going to be great. It's just it's really really discouraging uh when you see the volume going down and the efficiency is not anything to be you know excited about his his yards carry's gone down in the last four weeks um, and he hasn't been doing that much as a receiver minus that that receiving touchdown is first of the year in week nine against Carolina. So um yeah man, I, I'm with you. I think Clyde Iridzzi Lair is a pretty safe sell. I don't know what you're going to be able to get for him at this point. Yeah, definitely do not feel good about uh, Clyde O'Rizzi-Lair rest of season. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he he really bounces back and gets back to some of his early season form when he was uh, ripping off chunk gains against light boxes. So we'll see. But let's hear this this trade that just came through your your, through your league. Yeah,
1: uh, so it's literally involving two of my cells, one of my buys, and it's, of course, my opponent. So one of my best friends that I'm playing, I probably talked to him up there with the most about who I talk football so he kind of knows my stances and I'm playing him this week in a pivotal matchup in one of my leagues I need to beat him and he just traded uh Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and DJ Moore so two of my cells and he just bought DeAndre Swift this week he plays Carolina I am not happy about that it's going to be it's going to be tough but of course that happens I would do it I would take DeAndre Swift side of that deal um because hopefully I have
0: a wide receiver to plug in behind DJ Moore, and I definitely feel good about the the upgrade from uh, from Edwards elaire to Swift. So yeah, I don't blame you for being upset about that one, man. That's that's <laughs> yeah. tough.
1: Yeah, it, it was a fair trade to be to be honest, but of course. Oh, like, definitely. Yeah, it hurts me this week, so it's frustrating. Who's your last running back sell? Yep, last running back sell is Melvin Gordon. Uh, it's it's very tough out there for really every position, but running backs, tight ends specifically. But really, running backs, because we kind of we expected more of them to hit, and very few actually are. So, Melvin Gordon, he's been, you know, as bad as it can get in the past three weeks. Very limited touches. Philip Lindsay is both playing better than him and and looking better. His stats are also better when he's playing. Um, the Broncos continue to see a negative game sp- script, which does not really bode well for running backs. And then, you know, it continues with the tough matchups that they have ahead of them. So I think Melvin Gordon, you know, he's got the name value. He's, he is a very talented player, but he is in a committee back right now and on a very bad team, and the pass work is not making up for it in the slightest. So it's tough, but, it, you know, if you can get a better running back somehow, whether that's packaging Melvin Gordon with, you know, a decent wide receiver and trying to sell – then I would try to do it, but always see what you can get for these guys and see if there's anyone that likes that name. You seeing this right now, you just get that update. It looks like Tom Pelicero just said it's unlikely that Teddy Bridgewater will start this week against the lions. Mm. Yeah. He had that knee injury. So luckily it's not the, the
0: knee that, uh, that he dramatically injured, uh, you know, a couple of years ago with with Minnesota. So not really concerned about Teddy Bridgewater rest of season, but, at the very least, you know, are they going to rush him and Christian McCaffrey back before their week 13 bye? you have to ask that now.
1: Yep. I don't think so. That's my answer. Yeah. It's a, it's a shit show for sure.
0: So good on, good on that guy for just selling DJ Moore Cause who knows what's going to happen with, I think PJ Walker will walk, will step in and, uh, be the quarterback in Carolina. So we'll see. Um, all right. How, my re- guy, Will Greer. I love Will Greer. Will Greer. Yeah. He's an interesting prospect and we'll see if I prop, maybe see, see him, uh, Probably not, I guess, but I don't know. Um, Kyle, who is your uh,
1: tight end buy going into week 11? So my my main tight end buy is Zach Ertz. And then I also want to talk about Taysom Hill real quick in ESPN leagues. But first off is Zach Ertz. Well, he's coming back. Hopefully they just activated him off of IR. So he's got that 21-day window to return. So he should be back soon. Um, the Eagles are starting to get healthy, which is nice to see for my brother who's an Eagles fan, but I like to watch Eagles do well. I know there's a lot of Eagles haters, but their playoff push is very real. I know they just lost to the Giants, which was killer, but like someone's got to win that division. All of them are kind of fighting for that very undeserved spot. Um, But you got a low, a very low price for a, a definitely a top three tight end. Now, Uh, you know, I would say the only, the only guys that I definitely want ahead of a healthy Zach Ertz would be Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. Even Mark Andrews doesn't impress me enough to to say he's for sure better. So at you know probably the most slim position in football and fantasy football this year, I do think Zach Ertz is a buy and worth a speculative – well, definitely worth a speculative ad if he's not owned. He probably is, but he is worth probably trading for as well, um, whatever your tight end is, and, and a decent bench guy, I think. Well, I mean, I, I got to say, Kyle,
0: I'm I'm definitely on the other side of this for, from you because I've just been very, very unconvinced by what I've seen from Zach Ertz uh, when he was healthy this year. I think Dallas, Dallas Goddard has looked like the better player overall for two seasons now. I think he's been, I think he's more talented. Um, and I think we even saw, you know, earlier this season without Zach Ertz or without Dallas Goddard in the lineup once he went down uh, in week three, it was just a major concern that Zach Ertz doesn't look like the same player. Uh, he just doesn't look like uh, he's is really low calorie touches, gets a lot of volume. But even with everything else falling apart around him, he still wasn't able to put together really tight end uh, top five tight end weeks. So I was very disappointed from what I with what I saw from Zach Ertz uh, earlier this year. And I'm not that encouraged um, going forward now. I mean, I mean, we, we're we seeing multiple games with in, I think weeks four and weeks five, you know, San Francisco and Pittsburgh, both decent Uh, decent defenses, especially Pittsburgh this year. Um, Five targets, nine yards, six targets, six yards. And then he follows it up, 10 targets, 33 yards. One touchdown all the way back in week one, and that was when Dallas Goddard erupted and looked like the much better player. So I'm definitely not encouraged uh, about Zach Ertz. Even if he comes back, um, You know, he's got, I guess, a pretty decent schedule coming up. But it's nothing that I'm like. There are definitely guys that I think are... um, more desirable at the tight end position. I mean, I think also what speaks to it, Kyle, is that Richard Rodgers has, like, actually been better than Zach Ertz all year. I mean, Richard Rodgers, when he's been in relief, he's actually, like, been pretty decent. If I were Philadelphia, obviously, the the, the contract and the name go with Zach Ertz, but uh, I I mean, I don't know if I'm playing Madden. I'm probably firing up uh, Richard Rodgers Richard over Zach Ertz at this point. He, you know, Ertz is, you know, coming off the ankle injury, too. Is he going to be even... Slower than he was before. I don't know. So. I am
1: in a big disagreement. (laughs) Let me tell you who Richard Rodgers has played since Zachary. So like you said, Zachary has had a very tough schedule in his first six weeks. Washington's not bad. And he he had a serviceable day. The Rams, that's a, that's a tough matchup. He had seven catches for 70 yards against the Bengals, which is good. He played a healthier San Fran defense, which we thought was good. Then at Pittsburgh, probably the toughest matchup, followed up by another tough matchup versus Baltimore where he gets injured. So then since he gets injured, when Richard Rodgers takes over, Richard Rodgers sees the Giants, Dallas, the Giants, Cleveland, and now Zacherts returns. Zacherts is going to see Seattle, Green Bay, the Saints, the Cardinals, and Dallas. None of those defenses really scare you as opposed to his first six weeks.
0: I don't know, man. I mean, I'm looking back at the, the the three games where they really, really played together, weeks four, five, and six. Uh, Richard Rodgers outproduced him on less targets in week four, outproduced him on less targets in week five, and, uh, and, and majorly, too, by the way. That's understating it's just outproducing him. And then with seven less targets, had two less yards in week six against Baltimore. So, um, and that was because he was playing as a tight end, two behind or instead of Dallas Goddard when he was injured. So, to me, I, I'm basically just saying... Someone else who's basically coming off the off the pine, like off the couch, is how I like to put it. Uh, Richard Rodgers, not a factor at all in anyone's mind in fantasy football, is all of a sudden outproducing a guy that was seen as a top five, like locked in top five tight end. That does not vote. And in an offense that favors the tight end and without anything else really there to be looking for, like, you know, Jalen Rager was injured. Travis Fulgham is coming out of nowhere. Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Miles Sanders. No one was healthy. And yet. Yeah. Zach Ertz, despite the volume, wasn't doing anything. So to me, one of your one of your points in favor of Zach Ertz is that the offense is as healthy as it's been. But I think that actually bodes poorly for Zach Ertz because he's been so inefficient that I think that the only way that he produces fantasy relevance
1: at this point is if he gets that elite volume. So I well, think I'm, he's gonna he's gonna see the same volume, but he was he was seeing double coverage every play. Like you said, there were no healthy receivers. No healthy running backs, no Miles Sanders, no Jalen Rager, no Deshaun Jackson, obviously no Alshon Jeffrey. Fulgham had yet to be a thing. It was literally Greg Ward was their their only other target and Richard Rodgers, while Zach Ertz was getting double teamed, if not more, on every play. So now that the team is healthy, we got Rager back, Fulgham's a thing, Miles Sanders is back, Dallas Goddard is back, it frees up Zach Ertz and, and it forces – Teams to not double cover him, but to actually see him in single coverage, and it is against bad defenses. I, I really do feel strongly that he is going to be a very good option.
0: Well, I, I just to put one more counterpoint out there. uh This is not the first time that e- that the Eagles have been decimated among their offensive skill positions. I mean, Zach Ertz has seen over 130 targets the last two years, uh, 2019 and 2018, because of all the injuries. To the philadelphia skill positions and with that i mean he's still averaging despite you know heavy heavy volume heavy focus by the by the defense he still averaged uh 10 yards per catch in both years and had uh six and eight touchdowns in 2019 and 2018 respectively so now to average 7.4 yards per catch and only one touchdown in six games you know this is factoring in more than just what is Eckert's done this year what is his volume this is more so like where is he at in his career What's his talent level like relative to players in, in the depth chart? So, uh, it, it's a you know multi varied situation, but that's where I lie on it. I think this will be an interesting one for us to
1: circle back on, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do agree. He's not the option long term, but for fantasy football, the offensive line was decimated the, in the previous years. It wasn't the same type of injuries. Like, the Eagles have never seen these type of injuries where they literally had no pass catchers, no offensive line, no running backs. It was literally you know, Carson Wentz trying to survive and Zacherts it's getting double covered. And in the years prior, there are at least some options and a good offensive line, an elite offensive line, to be fair. And it, I mean, it's it's a different situation. We'll see. Um, it's
0: going to be an interesting one to circle back on. Obviously, tight end is basically touchdown or bust outside of the, the elite option. So, uh, you know, you could you could definitely do worse. Um, but, you know, another name that we already talked about a little bit, Taysom Hill, Tell us why he is in play and why we are talking
1: about him in the tight end section. Yeah, so I'm assuming, well, I guess I can't really assume that, but it depends on what format you play in. ESPN allows Taysom Hill to be a tight end. Obviously, we know how shitty the tight end position is. CBS does not, Yahoo does not, unless maybe you change the settings, but in, in generic uh, CBS and Yahoo leagues, you can't. So this really only applies... Um, for ESPN I don't know about sleeper but you can plug in Taysom Hill at your tight end position and I expect him to you know be running the ball a lot potentially passing the ball as well and you know when you're doing that it's a lot easier to produce at what this year is seeing as a top 10 tight end relative to you know you're basically having a quarterback running back wide receiver even playing um, in your tight end spot. So he is a a very interesting play. And if you're very, if you're really struggling on, uh, your tight end position and Taysom Hill's still out there on the waiver wire, I do recommend picking him up. And now without Drew Brees, you can expect, I would expect a
0: heavy dose of him in short yardage situations and goal line situations. I think if the saints are wise, uh, at least, you know, mixing in some, Zone read or some some sort of option or or quarterback power with Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill in the backfield, and if nothing else, just keep throwing him out there uh, to take some pressure off James Winston, who is still kind of getting reacclimated into playing in the NFL, uh, considering he did very little of that in the first half. So, um yeah, you know, interesting. If if nothing else, again, touchdowner bus, a guy who's going to get probably a handful of carries, uh, maybe some receiving opportunities. Uh, if you're in a tight end premium league, I'm not sure that he really fits as well because he's not getting types of looks that are benefited by tight end premium, but sure. I mean, if you're an ESPN league that, uh, that, and, and you don't have a a, g- a great option outside of uh, you know, these like top six guys with some pretty decent volume, then yeah, Taysom Hill, fire him up, man. I know Jeff, Jeff really agrees with this as well. He got super lucky. He timed it up perfectly where he picked him up right as uh, right as this, all that was happening in our league. So, Um yeah, I agree with that one. Uh who
1: who you selling for tight ends? So there's no not like a specific sell for me this week, um, or really the rest of the way, but I'm I'm definitely listening to any and every trade offer um outside of probably very unlikely that I'm selling Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller unless I'm getting a King's ransom for uh Kelsey and and close to it for Waller. So, you know, if anyone has not one of them and and people are trying to acquire them. Uh, I'm definitely listening if I can upgrade my starting lineup uh, and, and, you know, maybe just move horizontally to a different tight end. Okay. Fair enough. Um,
0: Moving over to the quarterback position, Kyle, I know we've got a familiar name here uh, among your quarterback buys and one that we alluded to earlier. So tell us who our quarterback buys are.
1: Yep. So first one's Lamar Jackson, continue to talk about him as a buy. I, it's funny because I was not a believer in his passing game at all, like all last season. I kind of thought he was like a fluke. And I'm very uh, contrary to what many would believe. So I got a lot of shit for that last year. And now this year, when people are out on him, I'm kind of in on him. I do think the schedule, um, it gets super easy for him. He's been seeing really weird. He's been seeing tough matchups and, you know, weird weather, for example, in last game. but. His, his rushing floor continues to keep him at, uh, you know, he's a top 10 quarterback because of it, but he's basically doing nothing in the air. And even his rushing can still improve, which is fun to see for him. Who's still, you know, he still put up 20 points, 20, I think 22 points in like one of the worst weathered games of the season so far against new England last week. So I do think he's a buy low with one of the easiest playoff schedules for any quarterback.
0: Okay. Yeah, so what about this other quarterback buy?
1: Yep, Tom Brady. Um, Unreal weapons, obviously. He's got A.B., Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, Gronk. You just hear those names alone, and you're like, that's it's ridiculous. Um, they're also, after that loss to the Saints, they're now fighting and are going to continue to play hard and, and try to win every game. So I don't think you're worrying about like a benching in, in Week 16 or potentially – Week 17, if you get that far in your playoffs. Um, But yeah, I I mean, also watch out for the, the week 13 thing. But I think you can, it depends if you can get by or if you have another quarterback or if someone's worried about that, maybe you can acquire him. And if you don't have like an elite option at quarterback, I think Tom will probably be a top five quarterback from here on out in points per game. This
0: offensive line has been phenomenal. They have been so good. Tristan Wirfs has been an absolute stud as a rookie right tackle stepping into, you know, maybe an elite uh, status among those position among that position. Really, really unsung heroes. Do not forget about Tampa Bay's offensive line when you're talking about this team's success. So um, anyway, Kyle got a uh, quarterback sales as well.
1: Yep. Yeah, last one. Um, just kind of seeing what you can get if the tight end, sorry, the quarterback position is pretty competitive. That's probably our deepest position as it usually is. But Watson, big name, he's, you know, I think he's QB seven right now, but he does have a tough playoff schedule um, and his rushing work has been definitely less than ideal. So if someone, I mean, I'm open to really trading any quarterback if you're getting a lot, but especially Deshaun Watson, um, I have less faith in him. I actually have him in one of my, in my main league. I'm trying to get rid of him. So. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Good stuff,
0: Kyle. I think we got a lot of really good back and forth here. Um, You know, just some good names to be thinking about because obviously, you know, trade deadline is probably fast approaching for most leagues. Uh, Playoffs are fast approaching as well. And, you know, it's always worth it to, to see what's out there, see what you might be able to do to improve your team, your starting lineup, your bench, whatever it may be. Uh, so Kyle, thank you for going through these numbers and bringing us a lot of good talking points uh, and a lot of good perspective on these players. Any final thoughts for you as we wrap up the week 11 buys and sells? <laughs> Just
1: be on lookout for Zach Ertz and David Montgomery in the weeks to come. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll circle back and see how we did on on those uh those calls there. Uh you did
0: beat me in recent weeks on the uh the the board bet we have. Um who was it last last week? I, I got smoked. I don't uh, AJ Brown. AJ oh, Brown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. AJ Brown. Yeah. He had as far as worse. <laughs> he, he did drop like a 70 yard touchdown, and that would have really evened us out with this Boston Scott situation where he had that last second receiving touchdown. Um, So anyway, uh, that'll do it for week 11 buys and sells. As I already mentioned, the Contessa Catch-Up, our weekly newsletter, is also going out today. Uh, By the time you're listening to this, it probably will have already gone out. But don't worry, if you haven't signed up yet, you can. You can see the past issues. You can see what's all in it. ContessaCatch.com forward slash catch dash up. Really encourage you guys to sign up. I think it's a really good product that we put out every week. Uh, um, Along with this episode, there will be another episode that comes out on Friday, and that will be our week 11 preview. That will be me and Jeff talking about the DFS slate, taking a look back at week 10 a little bit since we skipped the uh, week 10 recap this week just to do the scheduling issues. Um, and so anyway, another episode coming for you guys. Obviously, if you need to reach us at CC underscore casing on Twitter at Contested Catch for me, we wish you guys the best of luck. We thank you for tuning in and we'll hope to catch you next time.